Welcome back, everyone. I am Cass Piancy, and I am here as usual with my partner in crime, Mr. Bennett Tomlin. How are you today? Well, I'm doing well, Cass. How are you? I'm feeling a bit out of it, a bit out of sorts, a little tired, I think, just kind of feeling like we're running on empty a bit. But you know what? We have a job to do, and that job is talking, so we're going to go ahead and talk. Anyway, we're here to talk about something that's been bothering us lately because we've been doing a big podcast on it. We've been doing Innovated Blockchain City with Protos, and that centers around the construction of a city to create the Silicon Valley of blockchains and cryptocurrencies in the Nevada desert. Now, that already is a huge stretch, but Jeffrey Burns and Blockchains LLC building this city in the desert, they're not alone in this weird blockchain utopia concept. So we're going to talk about all these other ones too, and why in general we think this is kind of a stupid idea. Bennett, which one do you want to start with? None of them. I would prefer to start with none of them. Um, <laughs> okay, let's let's do the 60-second intro to the one we did a whole podcast series on. I think if you find this interesting at all, you should definitely go listen to Innovated Blockchain City. We'll include a link in the show notes. But uh, Jeffrey Burns and Blockchains LLC at the Prague DevCon in 2018 announced to the world that they would be building a blockchain utopia in Nevada. This city was going to be focused at the intersection of artificial intelligence, 3D printing, nanotechnology, and blockchain, and would serve as this vision for how blockchains could end up changing everything about our society into the future, how identity is managed, how governance is done, how taxes are collected, and how commerce occurs would all be radically changed by this blockchain city. The county, where Jeffrey Burns bought this land and intended to build this city, decided that they did not want Jeffrey Burns building that size city in their county, and so rejected his plans, which led to Jeffrey Burns convincing Governor Sisolak to make the innovation zones a key cornerstone of Governor Sisolak's economic plans. These innovation zones allowed for developers who had purchased enough land and had enough money to apply to the state to become their own county and secede from the existing government. Jeffrey Burns hoped that if this bill passed, he'd be able to have his Painted Rock Smart City secede from Story County and begin constructing this techno-utopia. And I almost think that this first foray that we took into blockchain cities, cryptocurrency-based cities, it's like almost the least offensive of all of the ones that are going on right now. We go over, we mention them, I don't know if it's in episode one or two of Innovated, but we mention a couple other ones in that, and I'd like to to mention those now. The one that I find to be kind of the most troubling, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm interested in what ends up happening with this probably the most, even though likely it'll just be forgotten and nothing will happen. But Akon is doing this weird double concept of building Akon City, which yikes, first of all. But okay, so we have Akon City in Senegal. But the second part of Akon City is that we have Acoin. One coin, one Africa is their their line, their their tagline on their website. And again, quite troubling. Like, I think if you had the agreement of the African Union to want to do something similar to like the euro, right, like an African dollar, that would make sense if everyone agreed to it and they wanted to create this kind of commonwealth of nations that that had a, a, a 
workable, singular, cross-country accessible currency. I think it's crazy as fuck that Akon thinks Acoin is the answer to that. And for some perspective here on what Acoin has accomplished thus far, it is below its ICO price by a, a significant amount at this point. It gets about $15,000 worth of volume over a 24-hour period and across three exchanges. And all that I keep seeing are videos of Akon going to conferences and talking about the beautiful merits of this seemingly, like, to me, just so egotistical and kind of terrifying concept. That one, it, it's almost not even, it has so little to do with actual cryptocurrency. That, that's just like the most grifty part of it. The whole thing is a giant, sad, egotistical grift. The, I, I remember when we were doing our research for Blockchain City and we started looking into Akon City a little bit, just how fucking weird it was. <laughs> like they were intending to build like an entertainment district where they were going to be shooting movies along with like a massive World Cup scale size soccer stadium that was going to be in the city and this brand new like research hospital like meeting some crazy standard. It was like Akon had been like, you know what would be great? If we had a city that had all the best things in the world in one place and it also had my name on it. Except, you know, generally that's not how cities develop. It's also strange because you hear about like these pretty massive amounts of money being committed to the project. When... Akon City brought on KE International to start the actual build-out in 2020. They announced that they had already raised like $4 billion or something from investors and that that was going to be enough to complete phase one of the construction. And so you hear people throwing around these kind of wild numbers. A billion is nine zeros after it. Like, And then you try to find evidence of the progress of the project and there seems to be none. Which makes me worry that the money is being exfiltrated from the project and into other ventures. Who knows? Maybe Akon is the great giver of contemporary times, and we're misjudging him and mischaracterizing what this will end up being. But I would be real, real skeptical if I was anyone involved in this project, because it sure doesn't feel like it's going to work out. But this, this concept is spreading because Acoin and Acon City were announced, I think, in, in 2019 and then finally like started the coin and started getting everything out in 2020. But that's been two years now. And then lately we had Naib do his Bitcoin City, which honestly, like the, the levels of, oh, my God, this is so vomit inducing is like, we're going to make the city be in the shape of the Bitcoin symbol. And you're like, so that's your fucking focus when you're creating a new city? I'll tell you who did stuff like that. We we did an episode with um, Dr. Angela Vergara, and she did a book about Anaconda, which was a mining company. And there's a cool story about Anaconda and El Salvador, Chile, which is where they set up their South American mining copper mining town. Apparently, the owner of Anaconda, the founder of Anaconda Mining, took his son there, and his son had some Roman Legion helmet on, like a toy Roman Legion helmet, and he lost it while he was there, and he got very upset and started crying. And so the owner built the city 
in the shape of a Roman legion helmet. And when he and his son visited five or 10 years later or something, he was like, look down at the city. Don't you see? Doesn't that remind you of anything? And his son was like, no, what? And he was like, that helmet you lost. And you're just like, God, these people are insane. God, this is insane. But I, I do, that's, it's the same vibes is what I get when you're like, we're going to put a big B in, in the city. It's going to be cool. You're like, are you six years old? Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit on our episode about El Salvador's Bitcoin bond. Is it seemed like, like looking at the early prospectus and stuff from Blockstream and stuff where the city is not mentioned, it was just to build out the mining and to buy the Bitcoin, that it seemed like Naib was kind of making it up as he went. And that's the impression I often get when looking at these blockchain utopias. I'm reminded of that one, like the Satoshi cruise ship that was supposed to become like a self-sovereign seastead for Bitcoiners that ended up like they forgot to handle basic logistics, like making sure their ship had insurance so they could go to port and making sure they had fuel so, you know, like the ship wouldn't shut down. And like in this case, what it really seemed like was Bukele recognized that a city seemed like a much more exciting idea. And they already had the proposals from a uh, Chinese company that had wanted to build a port city there. And so they had already done some of the feasibility work and the stuff like that. And so Bukele, using his instincts as a charismatic strongman, switched from the boring topic of mining bitcoins at slightly above your cost, with value slightly above your cost, and switch to the much more exciting and engaging idea of building a location where all who care about crypto can come to prosper. Yeah, I think there's a place for, there's examples of planned cities being successful. It's not something governments and people can't undertake. It doesn't usually work out that way that's not usually how these things happen like people start gathering in a certain area because the weather's good there's resources there it's easy to grow things and you know there's there's a lot of combined factors forming cities and towns and municipalities but you know brasilia in brazil was entirely planned a lot of modern day capital cities like uh, i know myanmar's capital and i think it's Uzbekistan's capital. Both of the, I'm just going to say dictators in charge, have moved the capital cities to places that are more, you know, central to those nations. These things, you can do them. That's not, I'm not suggesting that kind of thing is impossible. I think what's really weird to me, though, is this idea that like, okay, so we're just going to centralize our concept on one single industry. And the industry itself it's not like you're making cars for America, like Detroit, which, by the way, also didn't work out very well. But OK, I do want to make that point, though. Generally, if you only do one industry in the long run, that just doesn't work out. But the industry that they're doing, all of them, is like a globalized currency. And you go like, so how do you plan on So you want to centralize it? I like I'm so confused. What's the goal? We've created a brilliant new global financial system in which anyone, anywhere can contribute and have their value recognized thanks to their contributions to their system. And we think the best way to advance this system is to move all of those people to this location right here. <laughs> does seem a little strange when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I think what we're really getting at here is very often it is mostly a way for people in power to use the halo effect of blockchain and cryptocurrency, where people perceive it as this technology of the future, to associate themselves with that like vision of the future. And with the idea that like 
if this future comes, there's obviously going to be these economic benefits. And the way for us and for me as the leader to capture those benefits is to make sure they're occurring here, right? Is to make sure we get as many of these people here, as much of this productive capacity here. And I mean, we definitely saw this with Governor Sisolak, right? And that was the primary motivator for the Innovation Zone bill, is that he had been convinced by Blockchains LLC that the Painted Rock Smart City could contribute more than 2% of Nevada's total wages after just a couple years. And so when you hear a pitch like that as a leader, I think it is easy to become convinced that it, that you almost like have to do it, that failure to do so would leave you in a disadvantageous position for the future. Yeah, it's strange. I don't necessarily, I mean, I get it. I get that. I get fear. Fear has always been a motivator for everybody. I think Mike Green even touches on that in his episode where he, he talks about like the bearish case being positive. But I, I, you're talking about the flip side of that, which is like FOMO. Like, oh, if you don't get in on this blockchain thing now, Oh boy, your state's gonna look like shit in the future. Your country, boy, your people are gonna hate you. And you're like, if you know anything about blockchain, if you understand cryptocurrencies, I think you can usually take those arguments and go like, hmm, that's not how it works. But the one that we haven't talked about yet, and I think a lot of people have been urging us to look into this, and I think maybe we'll take the time one day. I don't think now is the time. I think we'd like to cover some other topics if we do a, a long-form podcast again, similar to Innovated, if we do another round of Innovated. I, I think we'll we'll move away from just doing cities. That's not the single goal. But the case of Lugano, Switzerland, is quite interesting because they've now partnered with Tether to essentially create like a similar Bitcoin city concept. Yeah, I would say this one's a little bit different, and it's more of like the... It's another case of a city trying to really rebrand itself and capture this. So, for background, Tether has partnered with the city of Lugano, Switzerland, to help them in becoming a blockchain-centric city. What this is actually supposed to look like is a build-out of a business center that's going to contain a bunch of blockchain-related businesses. Watch it here. The video from when they announced it lists the parts of Lugano's Plan B, with the B being the Bitcoin symbol, as a bar, events, taxes, payments, mining, education, investment, and startup hub. Having listened to the about hour-long presentation, my takeaway is that what they're actually doing is they're constructing a new office building that's supposed to contain cryptocurrency companies. Tether is donating about $3 million worth of francs to support scholarships to study uh, blockchain and some grants for local businesses. And Lugano has already done some groundwork on enabling a lot of the payments and other stuff using their own My Lugano app and their cards and the tokens that are associated with it. The new part is that you'll be able to pay taxes and services in the city of Lugano using either Bitcoin or Tether. And so the city of Lugano, right by the border of Italy in Switzerland, is taking steps to really emphasize blockchain. And while I suspect most people have heard of El Salvador and most people have heard even of Akon, most people probably don't know anything about Lugano, Switzerland. It's the ninth biggest city in Switzerland. It has like 70,000 people. It's smaller than 
most cities in America. So I like like the idea that this is um, a world changing event is pretty hilarious to me. They're putting a lot of energy and they're putting a lot of money into being like, look, we're changing everything in Switzerland. And you're like, well, are you? What like what is it? so you're putting three million dollars, which look, as you said, Akon and his bullshit apparently got billions of dollars. So when you look at that, you go three million sure doesn't sound like very much. Second of all, I don't understand how it brings tourism, brings what I guess tech minded people. I don't I don't really even understand. Like, I would assume that most people involved in tech don't necessarily even want to work on cryptocurrency. I would assume they want to build other stuff. There's a lot of areas to tech. It's not just crypto. So uh, yeah, it just seems kind of the whole thing, again, seems odd to me. Also, though, that they're putting a lot of money into the marketing of it without putting much money into the actual build out of this other than being like, you can pay your taxes in Bitcoin and Tether. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an interesting city. 90% of the jobs in Lugano are basically coming from tourism, from the tertiary industry. And over a third of the jobs in Lugano are occupied by cross-border commuters. So people coming from outside of Switzerland into Lugano in order to work these jobs to support the city. During the presentation, Paolo Arduino of Bitfinex and Tether suggested that he believed the amount of tourism in Lugano could double in two to three years after they begin this project, which is a pretty extraordinary increase. I think in the same presentation, he mentioned that El Salvador's tourism has grown like 15% in the year since uh, Bitcoin was adopted. And so he's anticipating pretty extraordinary gains here in Lugano. Ken, is it fair to say that El Salvador's tourism probably went up 15% because like the whole world's tourism probably went up 15% last year after coronavirus. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> hard, to, hard to suggest that that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency were the bringers of all that. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Uh, and so this city that basically depends on tourism seems at least on face value with this partnership seems to be trying to attract these kind of tech and cryptocurrency related jobs, which would be a pretty major restructuring of their economy. But then in the same breath, you have uh, Paulo suggesting that it's primarily going to feed back into tourism. Yeah. So then the cryptocurrencies that you can use to pay the taxes and the services and utilities or whatever are Bitcoin, Tether, and some stable coin that they have in Switzerland. That's a Swiss franc on the Polygon level two for Ethereum, apparently. Wow. So, wow, Switzerland really leaping past the rest of the world and just going like, we're not even going to adopt layer one. We're going straight to layer two on Polygon. Uh, okay. Yeah. And like the other oddity here is it really seems like uh, Lugano is trying to, back in 2018, 2017 and before, Zug Switzerland tried to brand itself as the Crypto Valley, suggesting that they would offer pretty reasonable regulations for cryptocurrency companies that arrived. I think Tezos was started there for that reason. That's where Smart Property Solutions with Juan Carlo is from. It seems like Lugano wants to get in on that business, the business of housing these cryptocurrency companies in Switzerland. And it makes sense, right? Like historically, this city has benefited very much from the Swiss banking laws and the secrecy inherent in Swiss banking laws and being right across the border from Italy. And so they're doing what they've done, just 
with crypto now. It's not hard to look at which countries are doing the majority of the money hiding. I think the majority of the money laundering is probably from Russia and England and, you know, France. And the U.S. Sure, sure. But I mean, I think the U.S. has closer ways for people to do that money laundering. You can you can be a total fraudster and, and have all your incorporations in Nevada or or Wyoming or also plenty of Caribbean islands nearby that are also a, a quick plane flight away. So I think the Swiss and the Luxembourg kind of situation is more Eurocentric. You know, you're trying to get that those Euro money launderers that need to move the money. And they've always been great for that. Ask the Nazis. So I, it, it's not none of this surprises me. I don't know how it's supposed to increase tourism and stuff. It seems like a good move by these crypto bros. I mean, of course, you want to be in tight with as many Swiss politicians as possible. I, that, I, it, it makes sense to me. None of this is surprising in, in that regard. It's just kind of gross. And also, I know we don't talk about this, but I think it, it almost becomes more clear that there's some sort of underbelly of seedy money involved. I'm not going to call it the M word, but I will say that there seems to be like a lot of people from around the Mediterranean moving into Italy with money that they just, you know, found. Um, so I, it's it's been... It's been very interesting. That's the most interesting one to me because it's probably, as stupid as it sounds, it's probably the most likely to work, right? Yeah. And I think related to the dirty money you're talking about, it's interesting to reflect on how long Tether and Bitfinex have had activities in this area, right? Back in October 2019, Paulo Baria, who is a friend of Bitfinex, who helped promote the Leo token and the BFX token to various people in Italy, hosted a conference called Terra Bitcoin that hosted a variety of names that our listeners may find familiar, including Zhao Dong from episode four, who's now in a Chinese prison for money laundering, was a Bitfinex and Tether shareholder and Tether's partner for their Juan Tether, Giacomo Zucco, who was working at Blockstream and Liquid and is just a uh, generally unsavory fellow, Paulo <laughs> Arduino of Bitfinex, talking about Leo. Simon Dixon of Bank to the Future, who some of you may remember as one of Bitfinex's partners for the BFX token conversion to equity. And the RTT token, right? Yeah. Who were all talking at this event in Lugano in 2019. And so they're, they've been developing, I think, some of these relationships and some of these connections in this area for several years now. I think that gets especially interesting now that we had um, Samson Mao of Blockstream, the former CSO, announced that he is leaving Blockstream to help focus on nation-state adoption of Bitcoin. It seems as though the priority for many of these individuals is now in convincing as many governments of as many sizes as possible to adopt cryptocurrency in whatever manner they will. Yeah, I do I do think all of this is is interesting. Most of it will end in tears, I think is pretty clear. Uh, some of some of it will probably be just fine, but most of it will end in tears. But there's one last thing we got to touch on before we go here, which is this annoying I don't even know who started it, to be quite honest with you. I'm not, I don't know who's behind this stuff, but I, I know that it's been a thing 
for, gosh, several months now, maybe a year or two, this like Miami coin, New York City coin, have your city make a coin and then you can reap the benefits, which it's just, you know, it's such an overused word here, but God, it's a scam. Yeah. So city coins runs on the stacks smart contract system which is a separate consensus layer that involves basically locking your bitcoin in a certain location and then you're able to do these other interactions it has its own token called the stacks token and you're able to deposit your stacks token in a certain smart contract and get a certain city coin with a portion of the stacks that you deposit being paid out to people that stake or stack, as they call it in the lingo, their city coin and a portion going to the city itself. Francis Suarez was advertising these quite aggressively when they became mayor of Miami, right? And talked about all the potential for this, even making claims that uh, at a certain point it would become, there'd be a point where the city wouldn't need to collect taxes because they'd be making so much from this coin and everyone wanted to have it and that its adoption was going to go faster than bitcoins and all these other crazy things. And then Eric Adams in New York, when he was running for mayor, after he had a couple meetings with Brock Pierce, started pushing New York coin, which again is a very similar thing. Obtained the same way, available mostly on OKCoin and you are then get this token. I have not heard any reports from people in Miami or New York that a bunch of businesses have started accepting these. Neither city, as far as I know, accepts it as payment for any services, but both mayors got to appear very crypto friendly by embracing these scam tokens that happen to have their city's names in it. This Stacks protocol thing was started by Muni Bali, who's, you know, a Y Combinator guy, Princeton University graduate, like involved in crypto for years now. But, you know, point me to all his big successes. And I don't know, I can't find much, but he's a renowned figure in the space. And Stacks has been going for a while now. I mean, this yeah, Stacks, I remember, was interesting because they did like the Reg A plus sale for their token. So it was like a registered security with the SEC and stuff when they initially sold it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get any of it. And and look, I if you if you ask me like the appeal of we have an episode about Bitcoin, you know, I get the appeal. We have an episode about Ethereum, whether I think those smart contracts are used for much more than Ponzi schemes right now. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter. I'm sure that there's real world use cases for that stuff at some point that someone will find. But when it comes to like this thing and the single use being these dumb, dumb city coins, I don't get it. I don't get why cities are falling for it. And I hope it goes away, but I doubt it. I, it seems like when DSO, uh, decentralized social, that hasn't gone away despite the fact that everyone thinks it's garbage. I mean, but it kind of has died a lot. <laughs> uh, like, I, now that I check it, it is 85% down from its all-time high, so I guess you're right. Nader won't be back with a new project until the next bull run, because it'd be shameful to abandon BitClout this early, especially after Basis, but he'll be back again. I, it This goes back, and this is the last thing I want to touch on, but it does go back to our talk with Zach, where it's like there's this just build 
mentality. Like just build. It doesn't matter if you it doesn't matter if what you build is gross, negligent, broken, unfair, illegal, bad for everybody as long as you're building. And that is such a twisted mindset. It's such a gross mentality to be like, yeah, man, it doesn't even, you know what? It, as long as you're building, like, I get it. You built a Ponzi scheme that stole from a bunch of people, or you built a just a scammy, fake, decentralized social media network. Just as long as you're building, you know, just come back and don't have shame. And I'm like, that's crazy. Uh, I don't know if it's a memory flaw in our system or if it's a common thing in finance. I, I'm just not sure. Yeah, and so I'm going to be honest. I think that that is directly related to the reason these cities are adopting it is that people have observed other people in crypto become fabulously wealthy from seemingly very little effort. And so they've come to believe that there is truly some alchemical transformation happening here in which there is money available for the taking if you were just so bold as to take it. And so if you're a city, you'd be foolish not to step up and get your allotment from the pile. And if you're a person who wants to participate in this magical alchemical transformation, the way you participate is by working to transmute your efforts into gold. And you're right. The value in building is not in the act of building, but in the product of what you build and trying to create something meaningful that itself will have a change. And just as a lasting thought on that note, I am reminded of A16Z, my favorite venture capital fund, published this huge article on how America needs to go back to building. And it's time to go back to focusing on these real things and refocusing on that. And then they immediately launched a brand new crypto fund, dumped millions into the cryptocurrency ecosystem, investing in some of the absolute worst projects, like that couldn't even do math in their white paper and stuff. And it's like, ah, good. Great job, A16Z. That's some nice real stuff you're building. Yep. You know, people talk about building these cities. They talk about building their scams. Everybody's pr so proud of them. But we're not. And uh, and that's probably going to do it for us on this episode. Rest assured, no Crypto Critics coin coming anytime soon. And thank you. Thank you for listening. I know at the end of this episode that I said there was no Crypto Critics coin coming anytime soon. So I just want to backtrack a little bit on that and let you guys know we're releasing a cryptocurrency token. I'm super excited about this. We're doing an ICO, IEO, and IDO at the same time. It's called CassCoin. If you want to look into it, check out our white paper. Go ahead and go to CassCoin, that's C-A-S-C-O-I-N, foundation.org. Just type that into Google beautiful white paper. We're ready to accept all of your money. Ethereum, Bitcoin, we take it all. Uh, XRP even, man, we're in. We're, we've totally changed our ideas on this, all of it. So please go ahead, donate, leave a rating, leave a review on the podcast. Let's go to the moon.